Good evening and welcome to another episode of Don't Fuck With The Original. I'm your host, Casper. I'm your other hostess, Becky Gremlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays are for podcasts. As always. So, you know, tonight we are giving a special ode to... Because, um, you know, Black History Month is this month and it's the last Wednesday of this month. Insane to think that March is next month. So we are giving a very special ode to Sam Cooke and talking about the, you know, the legacy that he had and the mystery, mystery, wow, being fastest on the wrong syllable, the mysteriousness that's kind of surrounding his death. But of course, you know, before we get into it, a word from our small sir, calm your buddy down. Also, I would like to say I'm really sorry about the Instagram story post last night. I posted what I wanted to say about the treat yourself, but the picture didn't do it. <laughs> the picture, I thought like, that was something that like messed up on Instagram's end. <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, I posted the picture, but for some reason, I don't know what happened. It like didn't, and I didn't notice that till this morning. And I was like, well, read those tiny words. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> well, guys, um, there are, uh, I'm trying to get some new ideas for some upcoming spring scents. Um, but for now, uh, there's still the orange basil, the, um, oatmeal honey and the, uh, rose water bath bombs. Um, still have the tattoo cream or tattoo wax rather still have the body creams. Um, but yeah, if, uh, if you guys ever have any ideas for any particular scents that you like, please feel free to, uh, uh, you can send an email through the website, callmyourbodydown.com, or you can just DM the Instagram at C or BD if there's any ideas that you have. But um, I have been throwing around some ideas, so there might be some new things coming in the next few months. Um, I kind of like to release any spring scents closer to like April. Um, cause I still feel like the beginning of March, uh, you're trying to like shake off that chill and like slowly move into spring, but I like want spring to smack me in the face cause I'm so sick of this shit. Um, so I'm sure Fuck you guys are spring. too. We're done with the snow. We're done with all that crap. We want to get into spring weather. So if you guys have any ideas, let me know. Otherwise, um, the Etsy shop is uh, calm your body down search. Um, and as always free shipping, please take advantage of that. Cause, uh, that, that actually saves a lot so thank you i actually have an idea i don't know if it's possible um is it possible to do a smell of like rain i don't know how you would do that i have to look into it i was just thinking about that I'll like have to look into that. obviously like making your bath smell like rain like that's but you know what i'm saying like there's a specific smell to that I don't know if that's something you can actually bottle, though. <laughs> well, like, it comes... I, I can work on it. Like, I can I get it with rainwater. I can work some... I can work some <laughs> Joe. Calm your body down. I do like that scent, though. Do you remember that, um... That smell right before it rains? Yankee right candle. The rain Yankee. I'm just... I'm blowing some people. They're like, no, this bitch did not say Yankee motherfucking candle. Listen, this is why she's Becky. This is her whiteness showing, okay? Let her show her white. Well, just let me just let me have my pumpkin spice and my Yankee candle and leave me alone. I'm in my happy place. 
the white of the white come out of me walking up into a Yankee Candle store. I'm like, oh my god. Um, <laughs> listen, Yankee Candle is the bomb dom, the bomb dom, <laughs> the bomb dom. I think I was trying to say the bomb dot com, and I was like, I got the it. bomb dom. It's okay. It's pretty much the same. But um, the smell that I want to be captured into a candle or anything that I can get my fucking hands on is campfire and not like I've had a candle that smelled quote smelled like campfire it just smelled like smoke it's different there's a and I know that's not something you can actually just bottle like that this very specific smell that probably a campfire is the only thing that I've had I've had incense that smells close but really really a campfire is what god I miss camping I miss Fires. I miss this is warmth. why I'm so warmth. Uh, we're gonna buy a new fire pit this year, by the way. <laughs> I just like <laughs> I very awkwardly like pointed at Casper for no reason. You're like <laughs> I feel like that was okay. I needed like a Chris baby hand. <laughs> like I need... you're like campfire. <laughs> baby, <Fire>. hand. <laughs> baby hand. Baby <laughs> hand. Um but no, for real, like, I I was talking to somebody today about Massachusetts, and um, I felt homesick. And that's stupid, because I'm home. <laughs> so, I'm like... I will, I will randomly come up on post about uh, Salem, and I'm just like, my massage therapist is a, is a witch of all things. <laughs> like, I eventually knew it was going to come up at some point because she saw my necklace and I was like, oh, this is, this is going to come up at some point. And I'm just like, I like your necklace. I'm like, "Hmm, which one? (laughs) Which one? (laughs) Which? (laughs) Which one? And then I find out that she's away. I'm like, cool. And then I was like, yeah, I've been to Salem. She was like, I was like, I know it's. Has she never been there? She's never been. I was oh, like, I know it's our. I was like, go. I know it's our mecca. You, you really need to go. You need to go. I mean, after the panorama, but you need because there's a Patricia going on right now. If you guys, <laughs> gay men with that are killing me on I know. TikTok. I am literally there. Like, there is a Polaroid going on right now. <laughs> like during just- this Polaroid. What was it? The um, <laughs> I mean, they are literally panorama, Patricia. <laughs> Every word has nothing to do with pandemic. And just, but I love it so much. I love it. So, I'm going to fuck around and accidentally say it. Like, I'm going to say it to my dad. I'm going to be like, this panorama. He's going to be like, what? I'm going to be like, let me show you this video. And then he's going to have you play it for him 7,000 times. So just be prepared for that. <sighs> How do I send this to an iPhone? I... <laughs> Josiah, what do I have? Do Josiah... I have an iPhone? No, Dad, you don't have an iPhone. He needed to. You have an Android. A Samsung? Is that what I said? Did I say that? Does Android and Samsung sound like the same word? It's the same thing. Whatever. It's. I mean, Android just is know... just not Apple. You can... I have A to Windows tell him... phone is an Android. I have to tell him, just know you don't have an iPhone. And he's like, okay. The little green dude that looks like a fat alien, that's your your icon. Android. I was like, you say, hey, Google, not, hey, Siri. You. (laughs) No, I was like, 
Careful. I know. God damn it. They listen to everything. Mine's These Bixby. Motherfucker. I hate Bixby. No! No, 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 no. Oh, no. I was going to say, don't say it, because it... <laughs> it's like voice wake up. <laughs> We're fucking up so many people's phones. I need to stop saying it. I'm saying Siri, and somebody's fucking phone is going off in the back. Hey, Alexa, play. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. Everybody's so mad yes. No, so I don't know what happened, but there's a really funny story behind the uh, Hey Google. Um, oh, no. So Danielle's that... phone, my roommate's phone, heard, I don't, we never said Hey Google at any point. <laughs> but she picks up her phone and she goes, my phone's talking about boob sizes. And I was like, I'm sorry, I just scratched you. She's like, I was like, What? We were talking about bra sizes, and her phone oh. had somehow picked up. My God. Like, we had said, hey, Google. And it was like, I'm sorry. I can't find anything with, like, boob something. And I was, we were laughing so hard. And I was like, since when, why, why the motherfucker we never said, hey, Google? What the hell? They listen to everything. Even TikTok is listening now. Because I have TikToks that come up on my For You page that... Don't coincide oh. with my for you page, but it's something I talked about during the day. Instagram with these fucking ads. Don't well, Instagram listen to and you. Facebook are connected. Ugh. The only one I've noticed is Twitter. I've noticed Twitter doesn't really connect with anything I say. I know, and I know I said eighty thousand years ago that I would get a Twitter page, but you know, I'm still. You didn't say you would. You said you were thinking. I'm still. <laughs> She's like. Because the horror fam says yes, but the comedy fam says no, it's a dumpster fire, don't do it. So But I'm, the horror fam is the only reason I'm on Twitter. See so. then that yeah. Yeah. I just can't let myself get over to the dark side of Twitter, because there is a dark side. That's why when the horror fam catches a dark side, we're like, hey, this motherfucker. And then we block and report them. It's like stay Anakin, don't turn into Darth. Don't turn into Darth! <laughs> I still think it's funny. I saw this TikTok trend that said, your favorite villain. No, I love Darth. Dude. Oh, um, your, they say that your kinks come from your favorite villain. And I'm like, well, that's just rude. Well, my favorite villain's Darth Vader and he likes to choke a lot. So, huh. well, mine were Joker and Darth Vader. Now, what does that say about me? <laughs> I mean, mine's Joker too. And also Loki. I'm fucked up. <laughs> I'm fucked up. I mean, I mean, we could sit here and get into our kinks, so I don't think we should do that. Um, there's the <laughs> prying ears. <laughs> don't need to know all my things. Cause I may be bad. <laughs> if you know what that song is, you know what the name of it is, and there you go. That was perfect. <laughs> that was perfect. I love that oh, song. I do too. A lot. So much. <laughs> stuck in my head. <laughs> so a friend of mine on Facebook did this stupid thing where it was like, you look like this person and she got Rihanna. She's white. <laughs> I need. I was like. I'm just sitting here like, oh, okay. And you're like, she's white. And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's funny. Because I was like. 
you see me over here, I just know I would get like, oh, okay, she's like, right. You're like, she's white. <laughs> First of all, you got the skin color wrong. <laughs> Way off. I don't even. And my favorite is when. That would be like saying I look like Scarlett Johansson. And I'd be like, where in the flying fuck did you get that from? Because I the look nothing. The hair color's nothing. different. The eye color's Everything different. I wear glasses. I'm shorter. I'm, I'm black. black. Um, um, like... <laughs> there's no. You know who I look like? Jennifer Hudson. <laughs> I'm like a mixture a Fanta Fantasia. Oh and my Hudson. god, I'm literally dying. Also, Danielle Brooks. Maybe Laverne Cox, too. I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm dying. <laughs> I'm literally dying. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Danielle Pan. Oh, wait, Danielle Panabaker's white. That's I was like, she's very white. And Kiki Palmer is who I was thinking there of. There you go. I can't. Uh, Danielle. Is Danielle Panabaker the one I can't stand? No, she's the one I like. I think. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't they, know. There was a Jeopardy. She was in a terrible. Friday the 13th. God. There was a Jeopardy episode and the theme was old Disney Channel movies. Please tell me you... See, that's how you know you're getting old when that's the type of shit that becomes a fucking Jeopardy category. Some you're of, like, it, what some is of them were too hard though because they were from like... Me and Danielle were mad because we were like, this is out of our generation. We don't know this one. Was it an older one or a newer a one? A new one. Oh, the newer? Oh, I wouldn't have. There was one, it was like Irish, and I was like, look at the Irish! I love that movie. <laughs> I'm like, we're smart house. <laughs> when you know you're getting old, when they start making Jeopardy categories. I was like, give actually... me questions like Brink, Stuck in the Suburbs, Rip Girls, um, Horse Sense, Motocrossed. Um, oh my god. Motor crossed. Do you remember that one? What in God's name? You don't. I've never even I told you I didn't have Disney for like we had it and then didn't have it. Motor Because that was a cable was station. Was the story of a girl. <laughs> was the story of a girl. <laughs> don't make me sing that fucking song. <laughs> Who she had long hair and she loved to race dirt bikes. Of course she did. She ends up cutting her hair. You know, now that I look back at this movie, <laughs> I'm like the way you're, I'm like, what? There's a lot of like, there was a TikTok trend going on for a minute where it was like, name a time where you thought you might've been gay. And a lot of girls were going back to like millennials. They were like, do you remember a movie called Motocross? And I'm like, stop. <laughs> she had long hair. I'm like, I need to know so much bike. more about this movie. And now, and then she cut her hair and then won a dirt bike race against all the boys. You know, she was the only girl that did it. Don't even get me started on double teamed. Holy fucking shit. I that love sounds teamed. like a porn. It does. What is happening? <laughs> I was like, double team? I think we watched two different movies, ma'am, but that sounds very familiar. <laughs> it's the it's the one about the two the twins, the basketball players. Oh my Jesus is that this? <laughs> oh my god. You look at motocross. Her name is Andy with an I. <laughs> that reminds me of that movie Band Slam. <laughs> she said, I'm Sam with a silent five. <laughs> Sam, Sam, Sam with a five, but the five is silent or something like that. Oh my lord. Why was this guy in like every, he was in like every Disney, like everything, and he always played like an asshole. 
Of course, his name's Trevor. You look like a <laughs> he is a Trevor. God damn it. Trevors are just. But you don't. You never saw <laughs> Double Team was one of my favorites besides True Confessions. I, I never. I gotta look this up. Oh, Double Team was so good. Oh my lord. Oh my lord. <laughs> oh my Lanta, what is this? They're twins. I well, they're of. apparently based on real people, but I I um don't really know anything about the no. real people because <laughs> white people don't look alike at all. <laughs> They're not even really twins. I'm just like, we're just gonna take two random, random white. Random, we're gonna do a random. Random white. Yep, exactly. White That's exactly wolves. what it is. Uh, it's such a good movie. Though. Wow. <laughs> is it a really good movie? Not really. It's see just... this. This came out the. See a lot of these came out. Okay. See, two thousand and one. I was a junior in high school. Two thousand and two. I graduated. I I would not as a senior in high school. I would. Have I forget that we are eight this. years apart. You know Xenon, right? Oh, okay. Now let me t <laughs> let me tell you how I found Xenon. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Kendall Ray from Mile Higher Podcast, because she started talking about Xenon, and I was like, "What is this bitch talking about?" And I had to find it, and I watched it, and I was like, "Thank you, baby, baby, Kirsten, or is Thank it Kristen? You, Kristen? Kristen? She was in a soap opera." <laughs> And baby Raven Simone. Yeah. Zoom, was, zoom, was zoom. Was Zathura a Disney? Was that Disney? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I don't think. I don't See, think I, so. I can't believe I actually even saw that movie. No, because it would have been on Disney Plus. It's on Netflix. Yeah, I know. Kristen Stewart. That's who. Crit yep. See. But she was in Catch That Kid. <clears throat> Which was on Disney Channel, and so was a baby Corbin Blue and a baby Max Terriot. I did see, I did see Kristen. I had a crush on Kristen even then. What? <laughs> How do you pronounce his last name? Because I fuck it Terriot. up every time. Yes. Now I had a crush on him. <laughs> well, did you see the pacifier? Unfortunately. Then the, oh. oh my God, he useless. I'm sorry. <laughs> We like Fast and Furious. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a... I know. We probably lost a few when I said I don't... Okay. Do... He's Groot. Good for him. There. Um, and Pitch Black was a really good fucking movie. It was, actually. Like, really good. I really just don't get the Fast and Furious films. I don't... <clears throat> Do you know there was a trend going on? We'll say this and then we'll we're not get we're not white work. males, so that's why um, we don't get that's true. <laughs> um, so there was a TikTok trend going on and it's still happening. It's um, name a part in a movie that has a song in it and replace it with a different <clears throat> song, and like see I've how it feels. Seen that? Yeah. Listen, I saw the hashtag of the song, and when it went to the scene, I stopped it because I was like, I can't. I will stop even talking <laughs> about it to my roommate. I started to cry. No. It's the end of Endgame with See You Again. And they did it because of no. Chadwick Boseman. No. And I was like, no. No. That's I can't. mean. <laughs> no. I saw like 
I saw like the the when they were coming through the portals, and then I heard "See You Again" start, and I was like, because I heard the doo, 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 and I'm like, stop. Yep. Nope. <laughs> right. <laughs> I will not. And I was like, my roommate's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, they were gonna say, "See You Again." Yeah, like we can't, we can't. I'm do still that. not over that. It's like we can't, we can't do that. We can't do that because that's not that's not fair. We're not over that yet. That's just not fair. We're not over do that. You know, I have still not been able to bring myself to watch Endgame again, guys. I have not seen Avengers Endgame <laughs> since I saw it in the theater. Guess how many times? Because I've I just seen it. can't. I've seen it twice. I. Especially Stop. now that Chadwick Boseman is dead, I'm like, I don't think I can do this. I sob because if me and my husband end. are watching it and I start crying, he's be like, "Okay, we're turning it." I'd be like, nah. "I know Iron Man's gonna die," but it it it. it <laughs> you know the meaning why he said that, right? Yeah. That I was like, "Stop it." Stop it. It's just... <laughs> I'm like, I can't keep doing this. Oh, by the way, I have not watched any of WandaVision. I haven't either. Okay. I've, I've had so many I've... people tell me, like, just bear through the first episode. Yeah. And then it gets better. Because everybody's like, the first episode is like, what is happening? And I really want to watch it because I want to know more about the Scarlet Witch. I love her character. I absolutely love her character. I clicked a button. I absolutely... <laughs> love her character and I feel like we don't get enough of her in the films so you know I'm really looking forward to that um I really like Elizabeth Olsen as an actress I too, do too and I, I, I feel really like do. a lot of like mainstream haven't seen her in a lot of things and I've sort of like inadvertently seen her pop up in things and she is a very very good actress she really is I just need She-Hawk to come out I miss Same. I miss my uh, I miss my woman. Same. <laughs> Those orphan black posts will like randomly come up, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> my roommate's watching Outlander, and I'm sitting there, and this they show this woman. Yet. They show this woman in a wig, and she starts talking, and I'm like, oh my god. And Daniel's like, what? And I'm like, that's Maria Doyle Kennedy. She's like. Who is that? And I was like, Mrs. S. Mrs. S. From Orphan. <laughs> I'm like, how many times have I told you if you're watching something and someone from Orphan Black comes up, I'm going to announce it oh, to the I'm, whole apartment yep, complex. Yep. I was like, do you remember when I screamed Donnie when we were watching The Handmaid's Tale? <laughs> Ready or not. I was like, Donnie? I saw the trailer and I was like, Donnie? <laughs> and then I was like, Margot and Robbie. Oh, wait, no, not Margot Robbie. How Donnie is he through that whole movie? He's too. so Donnie. I know there's so many people outside the movie that are like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, just watch Orphan Black because he is so Donnie. And that whole, he is so Donnie and ready or not. I was like, oh my fucking God, whoever wrote this part for him loved Orphan Black. Because you might as well have just fucking called him Donnie. Bless Christian Brun. Bless the oh, man. I love that man. Oh my God. Okay, after that 23 minute okay, rant. Okay, sorry. so we're going to talk about guys. Sam Thank Cook you. now. <laughs> sorry, guys. We really do. We really want to get into this episode. We <laughs> do. It's just, it's been a... Nah. Don't you do it. Don't you fucking... Don't you dare do it. 
yeah, so this article that we're going to be referencing is from uh, People Magazine. And it is actually, there's actually been more interest in Sam Cooke recently because the uh, actress Regina King, uh, her feature directorial debut is called One Night in Miami. And uh, it actually talks about Sam Cooke in the movie. So it starts to raise questions ultimately about his murder in 1964. Can we talk about how amazing Regina King is though? She is I incredible. fucking love Regina King. And I feel King. like I've been following her i mean i think i think friday was the first movie i ever saw her in possibly Honestly. she's she's ice cube's sister mm-hmm. in it so i i think that might have been the first movie and that's that was a lot longer ago than most people i think mean it was mine just... sadly is a cinderella story <laughs> i think and then you know miss congeniality that was still a while ago too you know what though i'm just i'm really glad Actresses like her, uh, and Taraji P. Henson, uh, women, just black women that have been in Hollywood for years that I have always been a personal fan of that are like finally starting to get their comeuppance and getting more opportunities because they deserve it. They Regina they King has always been a it. beast. I've always, I've always adored her every time I've ever seen her in anything. Uh, she just, I, I just love her. Yeah, that's why I'm actually happy um, that she's getting a chance to direct a film. Uh, just real quickly, I have not seen the movie yet, um, but the premise for One Night in Miami is uh, on the night of February 25th, 1964 in Miami, Florida, Cassius Clay, which is, uh, he later becomes Muhammad Ali, joins Jim Brown, Sam Cooke, and Malcolm X, and they discuss the responsibility of being successful Black men during the civil rights movement. Um, So it's kind of interesting because the lore around Sam Cooke's death has been rumored to be um, because of his involvement with Muhammad Ali um, and Malcolm X. And uh, they, you know, we know that they were heavily watched by the FBI. Actually, if most of you don't know, very recently there has been a letter released from a former New York City cop that was to be released upon his death where it now certifies everything we've all known that the New York City Police Department as well as the FBI is responsible for Malcolm X assassination. So we we do now have definitive proof. Um, I think we've all known that. Um, Anytime a prominent black man or black person uh, starts to get a, get get a little too much or a little too uppity, if if I may use a, a word that white folks like to use quite a bit, if they were just getting a little too much, they got to be cut down. They have to be silenced. And uh, yeah. I, I firmly believe that the, F, uh, uh, well, I mean, they murdered, they, they murdered Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Like we, we know, we, we know that they, the CIA was involved in John F. Kennedy. I mean, he was white, but the man, to have a white man as president support the civil rights movement. Oh, we can't have that. <laughs> like we can't be doing that. So um, we can't have woke white people. There was a real fear by the FBI around this time in the 60s, because not only that, you have the, you have the 
the Black Panthers. I just, you know, on my Black Lives Matter Mondays on uh, Calm Your Body Down, I decided to post about Fred Hampton because I think that there has always been a common misconception about the Black Panther Party. Um, and a lot of that has to do with our government, that they have been painted as this violent, militant group. And that is not at all what they were. What they wanted was... <laughs> Yeah, I am you okay? sorry. No, I'm you're fine. fine. Um, <clears throat> what what they essentially wanted was just what is <laughs> something that should be so simple to want is black people to have just as much as anybody else in this country to be able to have affordable housing, affordable care, uh, the 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 best education, just just everything. Um, also, uh. The free, you know, I know a lot of people, especially last year with COVID and losing jobs, there were a lot of families who used um, free breakfast programs around the country at different schools. That is a direct result <clears throat> of the Black Panthers. That, that, that program came from the Black Panthers. We would not have that. So um, I just think it's very important to note that there was a period of time in American history where even though black people were no longer slaves, they were still secondary. And there were a lot of white people in prominent positions in the government that were, and I mean, deathly afraid of black people coming close to being equal in this society. Deathly afraid. I mean, to the point that they assassinated people. Malcolm X was assassinated. Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated. So I think, so to know that, I, I have to preface all of that so everybody knows why specifically there was so much controversy around Sam Cooke's murder. Because he was one of the, he was one of the first singers around this time to really cross over into white audiences. He had, um, Hits like You Send Me, Cupid, Wonderful World, Twisting the Night Away, Good Times, Bring It On Home to Me. I mean, these are classic, classic 60s R&B hits. Um, but two of the most prominent songs he was known for was Chain Gang. And then posthumously released after his death was A Change Is Gonna Come. And we've still used, I mean, you heard A Change Is Gonna Come prominently during a lot of the protest movements because it's every that song embodies everything that black americans have been asking for a change that's all we want Still. is a change and we just we've just been waiting for that change to come um chain gang was a very uh, I knew that song when I was a kid. Well, that song was very controversial. There was even a line of the song that he was forced to take out because the song is heavily inspired by uh, when Sam Cooke on tour watched chain gangs in the South. And most chain, well, <laughs> not most, pretty much all chain gangs in the South, which if you know anything about the 13th Amendment, slavery didn't actually end. Um predominantly black in these chain gangs in the south so i mean that was that that song in and of itself was extremely controversial his management didn't even want him to release the song because he was so popular with white audiences 
at the height of the civil rights movement that they just didn't want anything to screw up that popularity. But he was real. He he believed that even these songs could cross over. Even songs like "A Change Is Gonna Come" can cross over. It's a very simple song. Not asking for much. It's just asking for what you would think anybody would ask for. Asking for equality isn't asking, asking for, for equality. Um, so I'll go over just a little. I was going to read like the first oh, little honey, bit of fine. the article. Um, so this people going back to this People magazine article. Uh, guest at the $3 a night Hacienda Motel didn't notice the shots that rang out just after 3 a.m. on the morning of December 11, 1964. Gun violence was disturbingly common in this part of South Central L.A. Even the cops seemed slightly blasé at the sight of a dead man lying bloody and naked, save for a sports coat and a single shoe, propped up against mm. the door of the motel manager's office. The attitude, so this was a quote by uh, Norman Elderman. He was a uh, one of few black cops that served for the LAPD back in 1964. Their attitude was, oh, well, another nigga got shot. This is very true. There have been, people have said that if this would have been Frank Sinatra, if this would have been Dean Martin, if you would have had a prominent white 60s singer be found found shot dead half naked at a seedy motel in LA in the 60s, this would have been investigated up, down, and all the way around. They would have called in the best of the best of the best. But they, I mean, they didn't, it actually, it took hours before they even knew that it was Sam Cooke. They were like, oh, it's just another nigga got shot, who cares, something went wrong, drug deal, whatever. No, this was Sam Cooke. Uh, by the time they figured it out, all the shock set in. Uh, he was 33 at the time. He was described as a soul pioneer who brought gospel grandeur to American popular music with the variety of his songs that I mentioned. Even Another Saturday Night, that was another one of his hits, Wonderful World, You Send Me. Uh, he helped artists like Aretha Franklin and James Brown make the leap from church to charts. It seemed inconceivable that one of music's most heavenly voices would meet such a hellish end. For more than half a century, the hazy circumstances of Cook's murder have baffled his family, friends, and even fans. Now questions about Cook's mysterious death have resurfaced after the new film One Night in Miami. Starring Hamilton star Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke chronicles the pivotal role that he and his music played during the civil rights movement. Is that me? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, over. no, you're fine. <clears throat> so he spent his last night alive enjoying dinner at Martoni's, which was a chic LA eatery and watering hole for Hollywood's musical elite. Cook was joined by Al Schmidt, his close friend and longtime producer, and Schmidt's wife. Martinis flowed and Cook I almost said Coke. <laughs> Martinis and Coke. <laughs> Martinis flowed and Cook wandered to the bar where he chatted with industry friends and merrily waved around a wad of five thousand dollars cash. His take from a recent set of concert dates. Schmidt saw him last saw him getting cozy with a woman he didn't recognize. She was a twenty-two year she was twenty-two year old Eliza Boyer. Cook and Schmidt made plans to meet up at a nightclub called PJ's later that night. Sam never showed up. Schmidt, Schmidt tells people, so I went home 
And I was told later he got there about 15 minutes later, just before closing time, and they wouldn't let him in. He was with this girl. That's surprising that even at 90 years old, Al Schmidt still <laughs> remembers right? everything that happened. Watching that, that documentary, I was like, all y'all are a decent age, and you still remember still this remember really that. well. Cook drove Boyer 15 miles south to the Hacienda Hotel, where they checked in just after 2.35 a.m., singing the register... Singing? What? Signing the register as man and wife. The real Mrs. Cook, Barbara Campbell, mother to his two children, Linda and Tracy, was elsewhere, no doubt familiar with his nocturnal excursions. Yeah, unfortunately, his wife, um, he, you know, he was no saint. As amazing of a singer as he was, he did, unfortunately, have some extramarital affairs. What happens next remains a mystery, shrouded in mystery. Boyer claimed that Cook dragged her into the bedroom and pinned her on the bed and began to tear off her clothes. I knew he was going to rape me, she told the police. According to her story, Cook disrobed and entered the bathroom, at which point she grabbed her clothes from a pile on the floor. In her confusion, Boyer says she also picked up Cook's clothes, which contained his wallet and cash. <laughs> she ran down the street to a nearby phone booth and made a panic call to the police, telling the dispatcher that she'd been kidnapped. Cook supposedly flew into a rage when he saw that both Boyer and his clothes were gone. Blinded by anger and alcohol, he wrapped himself in the sport coat, <clears throat> his only remaining piece of clothing, and confronted the motel manager, 55-year-old Bertha Franklin, who Cook believed was shielding Boyer. Franklin claimed the encounter turned violent with Cook breaking down her door and throttling her. <clears throat> he grabbed both of my arms and started twisting them, Franklin testified, and asked me where was the girl. I started kicking. I tried to bite him through the jacket. I was fighting, biting, scratching, and everything. Franklin grabbed her twenty-two pistol and squeezed off three shots. Two missed, but the other tore through Cook's heart and lungs. Cook gasped, Lady, you shot me, before falling dead. The LAPD marked Cook's death a justifiable homicide. Speaking in the 2017 documentary, Lady, You Shot Me, forensic pathologist Dr. Sorrell H. Is it wet? Wet? Wecked. Yeah. Wecked. Cyril Wecked. Yeah. I'm 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 very familiar with Cyril. Anybody that has ever uh been into cold cases, uh Dr. Wecht is like the creme de la creme of forensic pathologists. He's the guy, I think he's the one that they called in uh No. Oh, he was one of the ones that they called in for the West Memphis three case when they brought in uh, the, the case before the Alfred plea that they entered before they were released, he was one of the pathologists that they called in hmm. to look over the crime scene again. I mean, so he's like, I mean, this guy is like the best of the best of the best. Um, yeah. So he argued that Cook's death was not justifiable homicide right. because he was wearing a sport coat and nothing else. He had no weapon and was not fear of her life. Most, or Franklin was not in fear of her life. Right, yeah. Most who knew the singer refused to accept the official story because yes. to them, this violent and unreasonable behavior seemed so unlike him. They believed that his death was a result of setup, claiming that Boyer was a prostitute working in cahoots with the hotel manager, motel manager, to rob Cook. The Hacienda Hotel was a well-known hub for pimps and sex workers. Boyer, according to the theory, lured him there. Why else would he travel so far out of his way? passing plenty of other accommodations more benefiting to his superstar nature. While there was no direct evidence to support this story, Franklin was a former madam with a prior criminal record. 
Boyer was arrested on prostitution charges shortly after Cook's death. And in 1979, was found guilty of second-degree murder following another shooting. The $5,000 Cook was carrying of the night of his death was never recovered. Yeah, see, that was a lot. So, um... This is this is what gets kind of hard for me because as someone that's a rape survivor, uh, you know you you don't you don't want to discount someone's story. You you don't you know your your first thing when someone because when someone says that now of course when she called nine one one the first time she said that she was kidnapped. There was nothing said about rape until after the police got there. And I know this is not gonna sit well with a lot of people, especially a lot of women, especially coming from someone who is a rape survivor. But Elisa Boyers, you know, when someone when you okay, when you have to question someone and you have to look at someone in a case like this then you have to look at their character you have to look at their you you have no choice but to look at their character and her character it just it didn't add up she she was a prostitute this woman had multiple aliases i don't mean just one or two she had dozens she had been arrested for prostitution several times and in my personal opinion, I don't think the, I don't necessarily think the motel was involved. I actually really feel sorry for Bertha Franklin. I don't think this woman, unfortunately, I think there was a lot about the attack itself that she lied about, but I don't think this woman had any real intentions on murdering him. And I definitely don't think there was some plot with her and, and Boyer to murder him. But I do think Boyer set him up. I just, I just think if you, if you, if you look at the type of person that she was, if you look at the type of person that she was, that she, that she was before and even after all of this, and you take into account her character and the fact that that night, you know, she knew he was Sam Cooke. And even if she didn't know he was Sam Cooke, she saw a black man, well-dressed in a very nice restaurant, flashing $5,000 in cash. Well, one thing that I it was a setup. It was is, a. To I think it was a complete and total setup. And I think she stole. Oh, absolutely. She, she stole, stole that, that five thousand dollars and she gave it to her pimp. One thing that I don't understand too is if Franklin was trying to so hard to get away from him, how all of a sudden could she grab a pistol? Like she's literally talking about how she was kicking and screaming and biting and trying to get away from him, but all of a sudden you can just grab. Do, do you just have it sitting within arm's length? Yeah, and my other, so when I, I, like I said, I don't, I don't think that Bertha Franklin intentionally meant to murder him, but it's like I went back and said, there was, I think she lied a lot about her involvement that night. I don't think that her and Boyer were in cahoots. I don't think there was some kind of setup there, but I do think Boyer set him up. I think she set him up. I think she was planning on robbing him the whole time. And I think when she, when he came out and found her and she didn't get away, 
that's when she freaked out and decided to call the cops and make up this story because if she said that she was a prostitute, she knew she was going to get arrested again. And she had already been arrested multiple times for prostitution. So again, I'm not, I'm not trying to down anybody. All I'm saying is this woman's character, it, it just didn't speak for itself. It really, really, really didn't. And I'm not saying don't believe victims. There are real victims out there. I'm a survivor myself. There's, there's, there's a lot out there, but there are women and men. There, there are people that lie about that too. So that's why mm -hmm. it makes it, that's why it makes it 10 million times more difficult to get people to actually come forward when they have been sexually assaulted or raped or let, and it, or, or on the flip side of that, it makes police investigations 10 million times harder to even follow through with the cases because there are so many people who do lie. And and I and say whatever you want. People can say whatever you want. I think Elisa Boyer is a liar. I think she was lying. And I don't think she necessarily set him up to be murdered, but she definitely set up to rob him to give money there to was her just, John. There was just something it just didn't add up to me. Yeah, to just either. It, it, yeah. Her Elisa Boyer story, I just really, really, really didn't like. There was just well, so much about her past. And so much of her, and then the murder. Even I mean, she committed him. She shot somebody after that. Like she didn't shoot Sam Cook, but I, you know, I mean, unfortunately, her actions later led to him being murdered. But you know, she just, she's just got too many skeletons in her closet to say that she's this innocent victim that was scared that she was going to get raped and decided to so you you grab his clothes and five thousand dollars and run out of the room that's just weird to me you're afraid and then well the other thing is too so they both got naked and then he went into the bathroom and she grabbed his clothes her clothes and the $5,000. Now, who does that if they're in fear of being kidnapped or raped? You follow this man to the hotel. He shuts the door. You start getting naked. He gets naked, goes into the bathroom. So you grab money and his clothes and run out? Tell me how any of that makes sense. It doesn't. It makes it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I'm going to take over here with Franklin. So there were other elements to the case that didn't add up. The uh, When Cook was shot, it was a 22 pistol, but the gun that was registered to Franklin was a 32. Now this always screwed with me because I don't know how the bullet was a 22 caliber, but the gun they found was a 30. Yeah. Again, I don't know a lot about guns, but I do know you have to have the right bullets and the right gun. <laughs> now, I know that motherfucking much. In order for it to work, you have to put the right bullets and the right fucking gun. Um, so the bullet that passed through his body was taken into evidence, and then it went missing. So now they can't find the bullet. Now that's gone. See, when evidence goes missing, that messes with me, too. Mm-hmm. Because either that's oversight, police misconduct, but again... A lot of cops, even when they found out that this was Sam Cook, they were just like, this is just another nigga. Let's throw this out. Let's not even worry about this. And yes, I can say that word. If yeah. you're white, you cannot. No. Um, that is absolutely what they thought. I think they even thought that after he was murdered. Um, 
The autopsy also revealed a two inch bump on his head. Now in an interview that I saw, uh, Dr. Wecht believed that that was, um, actually him being hit in the head after he was shot. So, uh, Franklin did corroborate that after she shot him, she dropped the gun and then she started beating him with a wooden broom handle. Yet the gun still contained numerous bullets. If Franklin was so frightened for her life, why did she drop the gun after she just fired in favor of a stick? The woman appeared to have no marks or injuries when she testified before cameras five days after murder occurred. This is surprising given the fight that she described. Guests at the motel also told police that they never heard any gunshots or sounds of an altercation. Franklin was on the phone with the motel owner who testified to hearing much of the struggle on the other end of the line. Crime scene photos appear to show abrasions on Cook's body. Singer Etta James, uh, who viewed Cook's body at his funeral, she wrote in her memoir that Cook's head was practically disconnected from his shoulders. That's how badly he had been beaten. His hands were broken and crushed. They tried to cover it up with makeup, but I could see massive bruises on his head. No woman with a broomstick could have inflicted that kind of beating against a strong, full-grown man. Now, there was actually, um, now, okay, now, none of the injuries James reported uh, were mentioned in Cook's autopsy report. Then again, who knows? Uh, I did happen to see, and so there were two different documentaries I watched, one on YouTube and one on Netflix. And I know on the one on YouTube where they showed his, you know, the viewing, his body laid out. Now, if you've ever been to a funeral, and obviously things have changed over time, if they don't look the same, mm -mm. they don't. Once, you know, once they've been, you know, the formaldehyde and the whole process, they don't look the same. So I will agree that the glimpse that I saw of him in the casket, there was a lot his his head did look really big and swollen like his face looked very swollen and there was a lot of discoloration that i could even notice from a black and white photo but there again that could have been very well that could have very well happened during the whole you know process to to get the body ready right. at the funeral home because i don't know enough about that so that could have been yeah, that could have been a part of it too that could have been a big part of it uh, you know, maybe, maybe the body did go through some kind of trauma and, and they were trying to, you know, maybe cover it up and maybe, maybe somehow make it look decent for the viewing. So, uh, I'm not saying that I'm discrediting what Etta James said. I'm just saying that could either be one of two things. And if you don't know enough about that process, you could very well think that that was something that happened, uh, prior to the body mm -hmm. being, being set for, for viewing. So yeah, I don't knows? know anything. I don't know enough about that. Either, um, so. I don't either. But yeah, that so that it, there's just a lot that has to. I I really don't understand the whole. So it's a different bullet than the gun. Then the bullet goes missing. And then she said that that they had an altercation before she fired the bullet. Yet there's no defensive. There's no marks or whatever on her body. Then she said she grabbed. Then in all that melee. If he's got a hold of both of your arm, she would have had bruises on her arm. How did you? Well, then how did you get the fucking gun too? If he's got a hold of both of your arms and you fire one shot, and then you grab a broom and start beating him in the head with it, 
Like I said, that makes no I don't know. fucking I sense. I mean, like I said, I don't think Bertha Franklin intended to murder him, but I think there's a lot about her story that she lied about. I think she, I just think she lied. I do. I think she Something flat out lied. Is weird. And that makes it even and that makes it even worse because then you're really like we're never going to get to the bottom of of what really happened. Um the discrepancies led many to wonder if Cook was killed elsewhere by a third party before his body was dumped at the Hacienda Motel. Rumors have swirled about circumstances regarding his death. Some even blamed his business manager at a bit manager uh Alan Klein a notoriously ruthless music industry shark claiming that he wanted to wrest control of Cook's millions. Yeah, this this guy definitely did not have a good reputation either. Much of the confusion surrounding Cook's death stems from the fact that the LAPD conducted only a cursory investigation, giving many the impression that authorities wanted to sweep the matter under the rug. Uh, like I mentioned before, if he had been Frank Sinatra, the Beatles, or even Ricky Nelson, the FBI would have investigated. Uh, Muhammad Ali was quoted saying this. According to Edelin, the reason was simple. The LAPD didn't give a damn about Sam Cooke. They could not have been less interested in pursuing a full investigation. So, yeah, a lot of this had to do... If you don't think a lot of this had to do with police misconduct either... I think a lot of it had to do with police misconduct. That's the thing that can be the worst too, is how a lot of these crime scenes can look vastly different when the police puts no effort into, into it at all. And again, I think a lot of that had to do with him being a black man. They just, they just flat out didn't care. Um, Edelin goes on to say that it was emblematic of racism that permeated through every level of the force. LAPD was under Chief William H. Parker at the time, and he had a very heavy-handed attitude about minorities, period. It didn't have to start with what particular code you violated. It started with what you looked like, and that's all there was to it. According to Edelin, even the veneer of show business wasn't enough to earn Cook respect from L.A. law enforcement. Unfortunately, even though Sam Cook was well known, they would not have been that concerned. He was a black man. The fact of it was, and he got killed at a whorehouse. Their attitude would have that their attitude would have been indifferent. Could they have done an actual, real good, deep investigation? Absolutely, but it wasn't worth the LAPD's time. There was no care and no concern. Maybe they were even glad that he was dead. Edelin hasn't ruled out involvement from even a higher law enforcement agency, the FBI. When you consider the FBI's attitude about minorities and civil rights at the time, they definitely could have been an influence, he said. Probably were. He cites Cook's friendships, uh, like I mentioned before, his friendships with Muhammad Ali uh, and Malcolm X, both of whom were under surveillance by the agency. Yes, they very well were. As soon as Muhammad Ali said he was not going to fight in the Vietnam War and gave his reasons why he weren't going to he wasn't going to fight in the Vietnam War, he automatically became enemy of the state because they didn't listen to his reasons why. He said, "I'm not e I'm not equal as a black man here, so why would I go over there and fight a white man's war? What does that have to do with me?" He didn't say anything about not wanting to defend this country uh, against a get into the vietnam war if y'all know y'all know it was ridiculous anyway my dad was a part of it and it anyway um 
yeah, you're you're talking, you're coming back to a country that doesn't give a damn about you as a black man. So why do I need to defend a country in a white man's war that don't give a damn about me? Like they don't give a damn about me over there. They don't give a damn about me over here. And but white folks in the sixties didn't want to hear that. They like, this nigger doesn't want to stand for his country? Get him out. I mean, that this is, I'm I'm not joking. This is how they thought. This is how they thought. And, you know, you want to talk about a certain someone telling LeBron James to just shut up and dribble? Well, that's basically what they were trying to tell Muhammad Ali back then. Shut your black ass up and get in that ring and box because that is all you're good for. They didn't want black folks speaking then. They don't want black folks speaking now. Can't even get down on a knee. But anyway, uh... <laughs> Both under surveillance uh, by the notoriously paranoid and cross-dressing J. Edgar Hoover. That wasn't in the article. I just threw that in there. He was a cross-dresser anyway. Uh, Sam. <laughs> he was like, I'm just saying. He also never got married and lived with a man for the rest of his life. And they're buried next to each other. But they was just friends. Gay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there is so much I found out about J. Edgar Hoover, and it's like, sir, you you hated yourself. You had so much self-hatred. This is why you were so evil. Because I am not gay. <laughs> I'm not gay. I, I'm not I gay. am gay. I'm not gay. I'm not I'm gay. No, 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 I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> he was not as gay as not gay as I am. That could very I am true. very straight. That could very Because let me tell you, I could, I could all day just oh God. give me all of the penis. Yeah. God, even I wanted to throw up. What? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that word. Anyway, uh, Sam had gotten very much involved with civil rights. We know that the FBI was very much into uh, Muhammad Ali. And we know that Sam and uh, Ali had established a very good relationship. At that time, his relationship with Ali made him a suspect. He was sus. I'll let you go ahead. So these theories test the bounds of believability, but a racist plot against Cook may not be as fantastical as it sounds. A strong-willed black man's outsized presence in the predominantly white popular culture was perceived by a threat, which is what we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. Though not as openly political as Ali or Malcolm X, Cook used his music platform to push for equality. Someone else did that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he that's weird because it starts he. I know. He became one of the first singers of the era to wear his hair in the neutral, unprocessed style, a powerful public embrace of his ethnic heritage. He wore an afro. His 1960 hit Chain Gang was veiled was was a veiled critique of the oppressive prison industrial system in the 64s. A change is going to come. Became an early civil rights anthem. God, excuse me. Cook also founded his own record label and publishing brands, blazing a trail for artists to maintain ownership of their work and a greater percentage of their profits. Because listen, this is a real fucking issue with a lot of people. You can see it with Britney, Kesha. I mean, the list, guys. This will goes. Go on. This goes back even. I mean, people wonder why Billy Joel's gonna be touring for the rest of his life because he got completely screwed out of his music. I mean, it is 
tale is old as time. <laughs> but it does. You know, you you you're a young artist. You just want to get your music out there. So you you don't even you just I'm actually don't even about bother to look over these sure contracts. This you happened just sign to Taylor it. Swift too. You just sign it and you go, Oh great, my music's gonna get released. And then years down the line, they're like, Oh, well, you you don't have any rights to this. And it's like, but this is my music. But but you didn't read your contract. This isn't your music anymore. It happens to me. It happens to directors. Uh-huh. Think about how badly you want your movie to get out. They, you know, directors that didn't have the money to put up for their own movies. They just wanted their movie to get out there. So they go to a production company. Production company gives them money. And then all of a sudden they're like, wait, I don't want to franchise. This is my movie. No, no, John Carpenter. <laughs> this is our movie now. No, no, Wes Craven. This is new lines now. No, I mean, come on now. It's shitty. It's just all it, it happens shitty. all the time. You want your music out there. You want your movies out there. But then you sign that dotted line and you sell your soul to the devil. And before you know it, it is not yours anymore. And that happens a lot. So this says a lot to a black man during this doing time. This. Wanting to make sure that not only for himself, but other artists maintained ownership of their music so just like this says this would have made him very unpopular in the eyes of the exceedingly powerful record companies in both a social and an economic sense cook posed the danger to the power structure and it certainly put him on the wrong side of some very influential figures there's a lot more people coming out about it now the music industry sucks really bad um Justin Bieber's come forward. Taylor Swift is kind of coming forward. Like you can tell, she's reserved, but she's kind of coming forward. Guys, go back. Go uh, Demi YouTube. Lovato has. Um, go on YouTube and pull up the TLC interview where Lisa Left Eye Lopez says, "This is how you can sell ten million records and be broke." She breaks down the math. Yep. Very true. Listen to that. I'm dead set. Just Google it. This is this is what I'm saying, guys. This is nothing new. This is nothing new. It's just you you younger folks are just now finding out about it because musical influences around your time are starting to realize, holy shit, I got screwed. Yeah, because it's been happening for years. For years. Yep. Um, so the hurt. Whoa. So the whole circumstance of Sam's Cook's death was so shady and the LAPD God. The LAPD were aware, says Ed Lee, now an author. The FBI could have easily told the LAPD to stay out of it and a lot of that stuff did happen. To date, there's no conclusive evidence that refutes the official version of events. Cook's blood alcohol level was to be 0.14. The tw- that's twice the legal driving limit. Well, the Hacienda Ho- Motel was later learned to be a frequent late night haunt for musicians. Who wanted to keep their extra mar- extramarital affairs under the radar? Speaking in Lady You Shot Me, Dr. Soro Wet. Yeah, Dr. Wet. Why does this name keep popping up for me? I can't say his last name. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm just like, so used to I'm I'm like so used wet. to saying it. Stated that he doesn't believe any of the alternate theories surrounding Cook's death. Journalist Peter Gullinick. Yeah, we'll go with it. Who profiled Cook in the biography Dream Boogie also failed to uncover any information that challenges the notion that Cook's death was anything but an act of self-defense. 
The fact that the FBI conspiracy is in the realm of consideration is a testament to deep racial divisions of the time. The neighborhood where Cook was murdered would go up in flames the following summer during the Watts riots. The civil rights movement would endure, spurred on in part by a song released just weeks after his death, A Change Is Gonna Come. Though he never lived to see the strides made for racial equality, the song became an anthem for black Americans fighting injustice, played as often today as it was half a century ago. And that's really fucking sad. They actually pointed that out in the uh, documentary. They were like, here we have a song that came out, you know, 50 years ago, and it still means as much today as it did, as it did back then. It does. I mean, because we, we haven't, you know, we're still making strides. And we're still trying so hard to, you know, if you, if you don't believe that there's still inequalities out there, you can just, uh, you can take a look around. I mean, it's, there's, 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 there's more than enough. There, there's way more than enough. Um, it was uh, Ahmaud Aubrey's uh, birthday yesterday. Or actually, no, I was it his birthday or the day that I, ooh, I might have to double check that. It's the twenty third. I don't think it was his birthday. I thought. I think it was, it was actually the, was the day that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was. Um. It was unfortunately the day that he was murdered. Um. So I mean, if you look at, if you look at that case, it, it's 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 a it's one of few where we're hoping that justice is going to be done because it was very swift that everything came into play that these that these men were arrested what they were charged with um we know they're white supremacist uh just just by things that they said that day their actions everything else so um that's why it really wasn't, that's why it meant a lot to me to do this, even now, especially what has very recently come up about uh, Malcolm X's assassination. It is, it, it's very, it, it is not at all out of the realm of possibility that the FBI could have been involved with Sam Cooke's murder. I mean, I, I don't, I don't believe that. Um, well, that's just what it but says given right the, time, the fact that it's even a thing. Just shows how just shows. I mean, because look at the people he yep. he he kept he he was in contact with the people that he was friends with. These were people that were thought to be enemies of the state. Muhammad Ali was thought to be an enemy. You know, he was a like I, that's why I wanted to to show the comparisons between black athletes now being told to just shut up and dribble shut up and play whatever that is basically that i mean not even basically that is exactly what they were telling muhammad ali back then we don't care what you have to say just get in that ring and box that's that's all we care about and uh he he did exactly what you do when you have a platform he spoke on what was right and what was in his heart and what he thought as a black man in this country that everybody needed to hear. He had that platform to say it, so he said it as he should have, as anyone should if you have a platform. 
you should be using it for for positivity and spreading awareness and you know the same exact thing so it wasn't it was very plausible to believe that they would have had something to do with with sam cook's uh murder but um ultimately i think the entire thing was just a huge huge mistake uh, and I just think there were just so many lies that both these women told, unfortunately, that that fucked up a lot of the investigation. And then ultimately, as we know, why are you lying? Why the fuck are you lying? <laughs> and we know the LAPD didn't give a rat's ass. They just flat out didn't care. We it's like Muhammad Ali said, and he's absolutely right. If this would have been Frank Sinatra, if this would have been the Beatles, if this would have been any prominent white singer in the 1960s, it wouldn't have mattered what motel with who could have been a hundred prostitutes. They would have investigated this murder thoroughly. Yeah. It would have been everywhere. Everywhere. And uh so I think I think that's the I think to me that's the saddest part of all of this is that even even knowing in my heart that you know that the FBI and none, none of those uh, conspiracies were were true the real truth of the matter is even sadder that the people that should have investigated this didn't because they were racist and just flat out didn't care just flat out didn't care. And I mean, that's that's what happened with Malcolm X. It took a black New York City police department on his death, New York police officer on his deathbed to say that I know, I have active knowledge that the two men that sat in prison were set up, that the FBI and the NYPD were both involved with Malcolm X assassination. I mean, we already knew that, but... <laughs> It's, it's still, it's still proof. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, if the New York prosecutor, it, let's hope somebody does something with this information, because I think there are a lot of people that would like to see something happen with this. Uh, there's just been too much hidden, which is ridiculous. There's no point anymore. You know, we, we all know, and we need to know especially living in the times that we're living now because it's insane for me to think that my father lived through all of this and like in the last couple of years him telling me that like it's like seeing it all over again yeah and it's like I don't like that <laughs> I know personally me I don't want to be a part of history I'm tired of being me and me and one of my friends the other night we, we had a really deep discussion about this um and she goes i am so tired of explaining this to people and i'm white girl how you so she's like feel? i can't even begin to fathom no, you can't. How black people feel. Mm -mm. And I was like, girl, same. I all the fucking time, I'm like, I am so fucking goddamn sick and tired of explaining this. And I'm like, I bet every single black person is going, You? <laughs> I wish a motherfucker would. You know what I'd say now? Cause I'm deaf, because I know I'm tired. I'd be like, Google it. <laughs> As I sip my white person coffee. Hey, it's Duncan. 
<laughs> Duncan's hey, for it's Duncan. Duncan's for everybody. <laughs> That's true. No, Ice coffee's more of a gay thing. It really is. It's it true. Re- it <laughs> especially gay men. I I don't know why, but especially gay men. I like to think deep down in here, there's like a gay man. I think I yeah there is. I think same. There's a gay. There is. There's a gay man. There really is. I, you know, especially as a queer person that, because I always got along. I've always gotten along with gay men. Oh my God. Gay men. Always. Like. I fucking love them. Oh, right. No ma'am, no ham, no turkey. Oh, and they make you, they, they make you feel really good about yourself when you're in a dress, when you're in a change. Look, let me tell you something. Ain't nobody going to hype you up the way a gay man will. You want to go try on bathing suits this summer? Find a gay man to take with you. Because you will feel like the hottest bitch ever. Because seriously, isn't that the worst fucking thing ever? Trying on bathing suits? I don't want to talk about it. I don't either. I feel like a fucking tub of lard. And every mirror looks like a funhouse mirror. Every <laughs> fucking mirror. Let me tell you. And not all cuts of bathing suits are for everybody. Because I'm like, okay, you know, I got a decent lead. I got like my body. I can wear this. Ba-. No. No, I can't. No. <laughs> Then I turn around and I go, oh, absolutely not. Nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's the mirrors, though. Yeah. It's dressing rooms. The lighting. I mean, that's actually been something that's been proven. The lighting in the mirrors make you look awful. You're like, oh, well, fuck that, too. Like, oh, I, look like I look like Gollum in this bikini. <laughs> What's in its pockets? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, me and my husband just watched the Hobbit movies last week, so That's so funny. He'll just randomly, Rick will just randomly, what's in his pockets? What's What's in his pockets? I've only seen the first Hobbit movie. Oh my god. So I've never, I've only seen the first Lord of the Rings too, so. God, those movies are too goddamn. (laughs) I mean, we say that. But we sit through, yeah, you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I really can't say anything. I can't say a damn thing about those movies being long because I have sat through, Jesus. Yes, I've sat through wolves. So long. That's a four hour movie. Titanic's long as fuck. Three and a half hours. Yeah. We also, I mean, if you've. We sure have that... not watched the director's cut of Midsummer, which is three and a half hours not yet. long. I've still not watched it. I've not waited. Yet. But I'm about to stop waiting because I'm like, I'm going to watch this. So <laughs> like, not. Not yet. Guys, real quickly, I just wanted to mention a couple of other things about uh, Sam Cooke. Absolutely he not. was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1986. Um, he received a, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1994. He never won a Grammy, so he received the Lifetime Achievement Award in 1999. Uh, Rolling Stone ranked him number 16 on the 100 Greatest Artists of All Time. I completely agree with that. Uh, So yeah, that was just a few things to note. Um, So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed doing it. I, um, you know, obviously... You know, it, say whatever you want about his personal life. Obviously, there were some affairs. Not saying that's good. Definitely not saying that's a good thing to do. But 
Um, no one the man to die. The man over. did not. Did, did, he did not deserve to be murdered. He didn't deserve to die the way he did. He didn't. He deserved a a fair investigation of his murder that he didn't get. Um, you know, just a lot of things. There were just a lot of things that happened with him that were extremely unfortunate, and it was a real sign of the times. And it uh, it shouldn't have been. But unfortunately, it was. And uh, but his music still lives on, um, and hopefully, for all of our sakes, including Sam's, one day this 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 change will come. One day. So the more the young people getting woke, it's good. I I believe that. I think that there is a generation that's coming up that's they're fucking sick of it too. Yeah, we're all like, you've got. Most of the millennials going down, we're all fucking sick of this shit. We're done. We're like, no. I don't stand for this shit anymore. Not that I did before, but I'm saying, like, we're we're actually, like, the Gen... I know most of the Gen Zs. Well, you, they, have, they have the internet. Gen, right. Zs have, Gen Zs have always had the internet. They've always had... They've always had... They've always had that to their disposal to research in the beginning i mean especially for me being the elder millennial that i am i didn't start off with the internet so you didn't you did not have the wealth of knowledge and information that this generation has now mm -hmm. so that's why there's no you can't bullshit this generation now there's no, no bullshitting because we can go mm -mm, no you know they can pull it up <laughs> and go excuse me i don't think so um and they're speaking up, too. This is a generation that, like, if their parents are saying some fucked up shit, they're like, no. If their teachers are saying some fucked up shit, they're like, absolutely not. Politicians are saying some fucked up shit? I don't think so. Like, they're, they're, I give Gen they're Z not a lot of shit. Silent. They're, they're but doing, damn, they're like, don't mess with us. Fuck you. This is, this is bullshit. We're tired of this fucking old people man, menta mentality. Yeah, we're tired of that Mentality. Yes. <laughs> tired of that shit. Sick of it. <laughs> About added up to y'all. Anyway. Up to y'all. Y'all. It's not here. <laughs> I'm really glad, though. Like, I love having a platform yes to be able to talk about because you know that's, that's why i'm glad we were i'm so glad we were able to do an episode like this especially because i think i think we're we're not only not only is this a true crime episode i think we gave a real lesson to a lot of people but i too. also really enjoy that weird i'm white and you're black yeah. because it really gives the outside and inside look at everything yeah because you know it it Two white people can do it, that's fine. Two black people can do it, that's fine. But, you know, I was listening to a podcast where they were literally talking about racial injustice, and it was done by a black person and a white person, and they were doing basically how they both look at it. And it's so much more interesting when you're hearing it from one or the other, because I am telling you, it is a massive amount of difference. Because, you know, being raised in a passive-aggressive, in a passively, passive-aggressive, what the fuck? <laughs> in a passively racist, you know, family, we, my, my brain still can be racist. I'm not going to lie. It can like cert sometimes like something will pop, go across the TV screen or whatever. My brain will be like, uh, and I'm like, Oh, 
Check it. Nope. You stop that right now because that's what you have to do. Racism is taught. It is. Racism has always been taught. You see children that are black and white running up and hugging each other because they don't, they, they're not taught yet how shitty of a world it is where everyone sees a color. And I see color. Although don't be one of those people that say, I don't see color because. I see color. (laughs) See, this is the thing. Don't see color, but see color the right way. Exactly. Because you're, you're trying to say, I don't see color. Your, your mentality behind that is I see people, which is fine, but don't take that away from them. They are black. They are native American. They are Hispanic. They are whatever. Let them be it's, proudful in yeah. that aspect. It's a diminutive statement. It it diminishes cultures of whole people. Because basically, what you're, you saying say, is, is, you're saying you're oh, saying I have don't know color or whatever. Oh, like, I don't see color. When I when I hear I don't see color, I hear I don't see anything past my own ass. <laughs> Because I just frankly there's, don't. There's a because lot I'm of not people that give, don't mean it that way. There there are, but unfortunately, the people that right. do mean it have hijacked it. So right. as a black person, I'm telling you right now, I don't even care what your intentions are. Absolutely, 100% don't say, I see. I don't see color. That's why I'm explaining. I mean, that's like, that's, uh, that's right. like all lives matter level. <laughs> right. But that's why I'm explaining it this right. way. You have good intentions behind what you're saying. A lot of them do. Yes. Because you truly are ignorant and it's okay to be ignorant. It's fine. I'm still fucking ignorant about I mean, don't that, stay ignorant. It's watching okay that, to be ignorant. Don't stay ignorant. Watching though. that um, what the fuck is it called? Documentary. God, my brain. Watching that documentary, I still had my eyes open to a lot of stuff that yeah. I'm still learning and I will always be learning, but listen, just listen to people of color. Don't, don't, don't Don't, be the savior. Don't don't argue. Don't argue. If someone, this is for anybody. If someone says they hurt you or you hurt them, you don't get the choice to say you didn't. Even if you don't think you did. I just want to bring up something real quick. Cause I think that's really interesting. And that this could probably be relatable to the audience. I don't, I've, never watched the show i've never wanted to i think the whole premise behind all of it is very destructive actually but anyway um i'm sure if you've been living under a rock or haven't been living under, you've, you've heard about the, the bachelor controversy there's been a lot that that well, guy apparently i'm under a rock that guy because... <laughs> that was the host the guy that was the host quit oh really or temporarily i don't know if he's gonna come back but so <laughs> I'm I guess, under a rock. I, I have guess no idea the what's premise, happening. Well, you've watched it more than I have. I have no idea. I stopped. I'm over I that shit. I have no idea. Well, you know, okay, so this year, or I guess this season or whatever, The Bachelor is, uh, they're making strides in The Bachelor. Who would have thought that there were actually black men in this country, and now there's a <gasps> black bachelor anyway. Um, we still I haven't guess, even moved on with gay people in The I bachelor, guess but. one of the white women can t- I also loved how it's a black bachelor and I'm like why are there so many white women anyway not that I'm opposed to that I'm just saying y'all are oh my god that show is so destructive anyway uh <laughs> so one of the contestants on the show three three or four years ago not that that even matters the timing but she went to an antebellum party what 
Ja. Ja. At a former plantation called So and I guess this dumb bitch didn't think that was gonna get brought up at all. Uh so she didn't make any comments about it like for the longest time. So the host, so I guess there the girl, there was a bachelorette that was black at some point, and like she's she hosts some talk show, and this Chris guy was on there, and it was literally, if you guys watch the interview, it could not have been a better definition of what you said if, of when you're hearing a black person talk, just shut up. <laughs> just shut up. Just shut up, Chris. Shut up. Because he kept, I mean, the apology he gave after, I was like, oh, I know this is coming. Because this whole time he's talking, he sounds like a fucking jackass. He was saying like, well, I know it's not okay now, but back in 2017, no one knew that. So three years ago, no one knew that it wasn't okay to go to some racist ass party at a formal <laughs> plantation. You mean to tell me nobody knew that no, three years ago? Nobody knew that? When? No. 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 Nobody knew that. No one knew. No one knew. Especially that. Scotty. So he got, right? <laughs> Scotty definitely didn't know. So he got fucked over 10 ways from Sunday after that interview and basically had to wheel out the podium and give this dumbass apology. And I'm going to step down as the Bachelor host now. And, blah, 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 blah. and I'm like, can we just. Can we now bring attention to how problematic and toxic shows like this are? And can we just stop with these shows? Can we just stop? You know, reality shows did their time. They were disgusting and problematic then, but we still watch them because, you know, drama, trash TV, drama, whatever. And now it's like, now knowing what we know and the society that we live in, can we just, can we stop? Can we stop with this? Because it's, it's gross. It really is. It's gross. It's exploitive. It's not real. These, these, these people aren't real. It, it's weird. It's so weird at this point. The whole, the whole fucking thing is just weird as hell. So. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy my trash TV, but I'm honestly to the point where I'm kind of sick of a lot of it. it it's just because it's weird. It's getting weird. It, it's, it's a, it, it goes back to so much of what we've been saying, that the times are changing there's there's a wealth of knowledge at your fingertips now. There's so much more that we that 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 we've all known, but it's just brought to the surface. So how much longer can we keep having these these shows and these weird? I, I don't I don't know, but I think I think this was a real testament to the fact that it's not going to last long. Because this is just I don't know how in twenty twenty one you're going to make an excuse for somebody like that. It's like. You need to listen. And also, I'm really, I mean, we could go on about this forever, but I just want to say this real quick. Stop saying something's racist and speaking for black people. Yeah, don't do that. Please, we don't, we do not like, need you guys. We don't. Stop saying we something's don't. racist. Yeah, like, don't, don't do that. call someone else out on, oh my well, God. I mean, obviously, if it's blatantly racist, uh, yes. Well, yeah, but... Stop calling someone out on quote unquote racism when you're not the one 
How how am I trying to put this? Don't I'm try trying to, be to the, word this. Don't try to be the white savior. It's, yeah, it's the white don't... savior thing. It's the white savior mentality. Don't do that. I mean, obviously, like I said, if it's blatant racism, let's fucking do it. But when you're when but... you're the, these 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 performance leftists that act like they give a fuck and want to step in and we don't know we don't need you we don't need you we don't you don't stand in front of them you stand beside and support and lift them up if anything push them in front of you for fucking god's sake because when you do that white savior thing and that performative bullshit you're again speaking for yourself as a white person you're not helping you're not understanding you're speaking from the perspective of a white person. When and as a trying... white person, you have no, you, it, unless it's blatantly racist to just point out things and you like, you don't even know what you're talking about. When you help, put it in the perspective of this way, when you're helping a friend, are you putting yourself in front of them? Or are you putting yourself behind them and pushing them forward? Are you doing this for them think or are you doing it for that. yourself? Right. Just just think about it in that aspect. The intentions. You have, I'm not saying your intentions are bad. You have great intentions. But you have to remember, they need to understand, they need to know that you're helping them, not doing it for them. They don't need anyone to do shit for them. God, I'm so sick of yeah. white people. I am too. Uh, <laughs> I just think there's a lot of you know. Can you people, adopt me? Uh, yes. Can you? Will, your, already, will your dad adopt you've me? Already I fucking been adopted. Love your dad. You've already been adopted. Um, but yeah, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna be a true ally, just listen. Just, just shut up and listen. That's all you got to do. It's real simple. But I, I've got nothing else to add. Same. That was a great episode. It was a great Hope episode. You guys learned a lot. Uh. Um, we're going into March next week, holy shnikes. Um And we're going to do a movie. We're going to do a movie. We're going to do Color Out of Space. Yes. I'm super excited to do it because Becky hasn't seen it. I've seen it. I loved it. It's very pretty. So excited. So uh, my husband recently has been catching up with H.P. Lovecraft and has been listening to a lot of his stories on audiobook. And I was deep in H.P. Lovecraft in high school and have kind of been going back and revisiting a lot of his stories. Because, I, I mean, I've been a fan forever. Um, I cannot wait to watch the movie. I'm very familiar with the story. I've heard the story, uh, except for a few modernizations. The movie follows the story almost to a T. Um, and I'm, I was also very excited to find out that Richard Stanley was the director. Because I, I am a personal, personal fan of his. Uh, not only that, he himself is a big H.P. Lovecraft fan. His mom used to read him the stories. And he's actually wanting to adapt other Lovecraft stories. Like, if you guys know the Dunwich Horror, I I would be ecstatic Please. to see that adapted into a movie. It would be great. Also, like, it's so cool the, at all the places that we just kind of ser serendipitously went to. And Massachusetts had some weird connection with H.P. Lovecraft. Right. That whole trip was that whole trip, like Danvers, the Marblehead. Be I mean, like there were so many even places in Salem that we were at. Like it, one was tied to Pickman's model, which is a really famous Lovecraft story. So yeah, there were all these like weird instances of places that we ended up in Massachusetts. Even at the end of our trip, when we left uh, Fall River, we were in Providence, Rhode Island, and that's where H.P. Lovecraft was born, raised, and 
He, uh, yeah, buried there. Yeah, he's buried there too. So I'm really excited. I cannot wait to see this fucking movie. It's so good. I love it. And it was Cage. You should watch. Mom I mean, and just Dad. just for that. <laughs> Mom and Dad is such a great dark horror. Oh my god. I'm gonna watch it. that too. But like, I mean, yeah, just for anything. I'm kind of one of these people. Like, oh, Nicolas Cage is in it. Okay, sign me up. <laughs> He's such a fucking weirdo, and I love him. I thank you. He's such a fucking weirdo. Thank you. <laughs> um, I always just loved. I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> all right, guys. So of course you know the socials. We have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All that don't fuck with the original. Um. If you have a, any questions or just want to say hey, please email us at dfwtoeighty4ninety3@gmail.com. And please give us a follow and subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iTunes. Please rate us on iTunes so more people can hear about us because we're crazy. We're awesome. Everything, everything is awesome. <laughs> That's my brain right now. Everything is awesome. <laughs> everything is cool. <laughs> okay, guys. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.